Hello, people. It's Friday in the Lou. Hence, Lil Van Halen. Because the rule in St. Louis is if, it's, is if it's Friday, your radio must be on KC95. And that is a penultimate KC classic, Panama, from the Van Halen, not Van Hagar, Van Halen. Um, Soccer Dad Pod, we're back. Um, I just want to, again, out of the kindness and the depths of my soul and heart, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. The, the, the reception has been far exceeding our expectations, we're extru- which were extremely low out of the gate. And uh, thank you for uh, the support and the listens and the follows and all that. But please, um, click the follow Click the review. Send us your send us your feedback because we just we want to we want to get better. You know we're like our kids. We want to constantly improve on the field on the mic, um, which requires brutal honesty, which we're good for. So send it our way. Um, we are at episode thirty one. If you can believe that, we've done thirty of them, and um, it's kind of it's been a blast and. If you missed the last episode, last episode actually took us over the pond. We uh, did a little bit of Twitter hunting, and we scored the Mr. Wayne Jones. Wayne is the uh, proprietor, owner of the Turf Pub at the Racecourse Grounds at Wrexham AFC. It was uh, a lot of fun to talk to a guy that's not named Ryan Reynolds or Rob McElhinney about Wrexham and Famous in his own right now, thanks to the show and the success of the team, and we wish them the best. And we'll bring them on again later in the year and see how they're doing, hopefully, in the next division up. So go check that one out. A lot of, a lot of fun. And, and realistically, dude's got an accent. And we all know that when you're on a soccer podcast, if you have somebody with an accent, your ratings go up because it just sounds more legit. Well, he's from Wales. He had, a, he had an accent. So go check it out. Um, couple other things we want to talk about. Uh, don't forget April 1st out at St. Louis Soccer Park, there is the Living Legacy Foundation game. It is a uh, spring quote friendly between two longtime rivals, that being Indiana University versus the SLU University Billikens. Uh, they're out there to try and raise some money for the Living Legacy Endowment, which simply p- provides families in uh, some financial need, the ability to keep their kids at these clubs, and you know, it's just a, it, it, it's a great organization. Go check out the game, support them, be a lot of fun. Well Spent Brewing, thank you for all of your support, and for those of you that are now City fans and following and checking the games out, go check them out. They're three blocks away from the stadium. If you didn't dig the parking last time, you didn't dig trying to get out of there from the garages and everything else, just walk three blocks. Well spent, got you, got you covered. Much easier in and out, and the beer's great. So now that we got all that out of the way, it's time to talk a little soccer, a little life, a little Granite City, a little uh, probably plenty of things that will take us off the rails. Today's guest has spent his literally his whole life on a soccer field, near a soccer field, with a soccer ball. Uh, I remember uh, him, his family, uh, when he was a little bitty guy, uh, crawling around, and he was the de facto ball boy for his brother's teams. Um, Granite City native, uh, Granite City grad, uh, professional player, and now one of the uh, operators, owners, runners of Elite FT 
out of Glen Carbon, Illinois, we have Mr. J. Mac, Justin McMillan. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem. Now, this is a high-press show, so you got to stay on the microphone. Okay. Got Otherwise, it. your fans aren't going to hear how <laughs> educated you are there. Okay. I got it. Well, thanks for joining me, man. What's, uh, what, what's cooking in the Elite FT world? How you been? Uh, things are going really well. Yeah, we're, we're very busy right now and, and prepping for our summer camp season. Yeah, and you, um, so the Soccer Dad pod, obviously a lot of people think that there is a certain uh, required connotation to be a guest or uh, a host, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you are now a new father, right? I am, I am. I have uh, two beautiful little daughters. Uh, Evelyn is three years old, or about to be three. We call her Evie. Uh, okay. And then we have Alexandria, or Alex, and she just turned one. Okay, yeah, and so recently. Have, so you have, yeah. you have two of those. Two daughters. They're children amazing. Things. They're wonderful. <laughs> I'm not sleeping at all, uh, but outside of that, I have zero complaints. Welcome to the club. <laughs> right. Well, um, we're down here. Um, I thought it really apropos for uh, our episode to selectively choose a location, right, that will help kind of inspire our conversation. Not that we needed inspiration per se, but uh, we're down here at Mr. Nick Pavia's, uh, Pavia's place in Granite City. Right, mm -hmm. man. Um, so if you're ever over here, by the way, quick shout out to these guys. Kitchen's open. Beers are cold. Uh, the walls are painted the red, wrong color, Manchester red, but you can get over that. Um, so uh, let me let me just start there, Granite City. You know, you born and raised here. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about your soccer past, and uh, you know, give us a little bit of a tutorial, uh, how, when, where, and you know, love to hear how you know this community helped uh, propel your career. Yeah, sure. Uh, like you said, recreational. I, I grew up here in Granite City and played at, at Quad Cities at the time, the rec program. And uh, we played club ball. It was it was more city specific at the time. So we played Elks. We were called the Eagles for a little while, but it was just me and all my all my classmates, all the kids from Granite that were playing growing up. Uh, played all the way through high school here in Granite for, for Coach Baker. Uh, from there, I went off to Western Illinois for two years, mm -hmm. played there, um, and then transferred back to SIUE for my, my last two years of, of college soccer. Who, who was the coach at SIUE those years? So Ed Hunnicky was the head coach, okay. and then Kevin Kalish was our assistant coach. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Heard of him. Yeah, yeah. He was on <laughs> recently. He's, he's, not, he's not bad, right? He does, a, he does a very good job. Yeah, I was fortunate with two great coaches there. So, so post college um i know that you 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 went on to a professional career you played indoor obviously mm -hmm. uh what was that transition like where did you land and you know how how, how were those years in kind of your process yeah it was it's a challenge to get to that level uh, i had unfortunately a couple of acl surgeries in in college so i had two medical red shirts uh but i had the love and the passion for the game and, and wasn't wanting to stop. So I, I played a year outdoor. It was the A-League at the time uh, called the Indiana Blast. And after the year, the team folded. I came back home. Uh, they, were, they were having tryouts for the Steamers. The Steamers had just got started again. This was in, uh, in 04. Uh, so I made the Steamers and played two years there. Had a, had a knee surgery inside of there. Had to sit out quite a bit again. And then after the two years, again, the, the team folded, and then that was, that was it for me. Uh, they were doing a draft, and I was thinking about playing more, but that was my fifth knee surgery on my right knee. And uh, So I'm sensing a common denominator, though. 
you know, well, every, everywhere you go, you, they you, fold? <laughs> you, your, your knee breaks down and then they fold. Yep. Knee breaks so, down. That's pretty I'll, consistent. I'll remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, in, in those years, um, you know, it, a lot of what's going on in the, the the soccer marketplace here in particular, you know, indoor, the MLS was in existence, had been in existence now for what, about uh, six, seven, mm-hmm. no, more than that, about 10 years, yeah, er, yeah. early 90s. And so um, when you were playing, um, how, where, where, where did, where did the pedigree come in? You know, when you were, um, and, and let me, let me put it this way. You started to travel to look f- to play. Um, we've talked to other people that ha- had similar experiences. The St. Louis connotation always was front and center, kind of in the process. What was your experience coming out of St. Louis as you moved into those other markets, you know, playing? What was the reaction to, uh, to, to that, if that makes sense? Yeah, you know, everybody's connected somehow to St. Louis and even a lot to Granite City. So when I was, uh, I had a couple of different tryouts and uh, ended up going with Indianapolis, but even players there uh, had connections back here from different players that they had played with and even coaches as well. Um, but then fortunately coming back and playing for the St. Louis Steamers, that was a, a life a dream of mine. And um, it was great playing with a lot of guys that I watched growing up playing. So I, I, I was thinking about this as you were telling the story and, and you know, cause uh, you know, I mentioned in, in the intro that I've known your family personally for long, long, long time. My dad, your, your dad mm-hmm. were good friends out at the soccer fields your older siblings because mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're, you're like the Andersons, right? There's a whole long list of McMillans. Yep, yep. And we're um, all just right around each other's age. Right? Yeah, I think there was like one year difference. Uh-huh. Like we were just staggered. Yeah, yeah, and I'm the middle of the three, right? So, so you're, you're the so, Dana. Right, right, right. Yep, <laughs> yep. And Dana was one year older yeah. than me. And then uh, my older brother's Jeff, who I think was a year younger than year me. You're younger than me. Yep, and then Ryan was, I think, a year older than Jared. Correct. Yep, yep. Yeah, so it was all the same. So point being, we have parallel lives, um, and I and I think a lot about all these things that have occurred in my own life around the game. Uh, you know, playing in college, playing in special games, and knowing the family's reaction, my dad's reaction. Talk about when you were in the the pro mix, and you got that call, and the steamers were like, "Yep, let's do this." Who was the call to first? Was it mom or dad? And what did they say? Well, I actually remember it like yesterday. Um, I went through a preseason tryout with the Steamers, and we had a preseason game at Delwood. And we played Kansas City. Uh, Jamar Beasley was on the team, I remember, because I just played it with him in Indianapolis uh, with the Blast and uh, his brother, Demarcus Beasley, great player. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I remember after the game, Daryl Duran came up to me. He's like, do you have fun today? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how do you think you did? I think I played pretty well. I uh, wasn't sure what he thought, but that's what I, I, right. I, I felt good about the game. And he's like, well, you ready to do this? I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, well, let's get you a contract signed. And, uh, and I, was, I was smiling ear to ear. I walked outside and my parents were there watching the game because yeah. they, they never missed a game of, of anything, whether it's local or out of town. And, and then we went or to vest. Red Lobster. Or vest, right. <laughs> and we went to Red Lobster over there in North County, right by, uh, right by Delwood, and, sure. and ate lunch and talked all about it. So it was, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of these, these stories of, of, of so many of the people that we've spoke to and, you know, people that you know that, 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 that we encounter all the time. And 
there's a certain camaraderie within the player marketplace, uh, the player community in which, you know, those that have experienced and haven't experienced, and there's there's that relationship in that conversation. But I'm always like personally intrigued by that vertical relationship to the parents, mm-hmm. you know, because I remember, you know, again as we were young, you know, the, the they they all sacrificed the whole time. I tell you what. I mean, my parents were unbelievable. My dad was always the coach or assistant coach, uh, though he didn't play growing up. My mom was always the manager. Uh, They never missed games. There was three boys, but somehow everybody was always at everything. And, you know, even, uh, you know, I hate to admit it, but when I was at Western, they'd come up to the games on Friday take all my laundry home, go back home, oh my God. come back on Sunday with my You might want laundry. me to edit that out, right? <laughs> you don't want people to know but that. But I had, I had super parents that still do. I'm very, very blessed. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, last Saturday was the first home game, City SC. Uh, you, you, I was there, yeah. So you guys were there. Um, who'd you go with, number one? Number two, who were you surprised to see there? And number three... What was your gut reaction when you walked in and, and, and the teams were walking onto the field? Yeah. Uh, okay. So who did I go with? So I have uh, uh, eight season tickets and uh, four in two different spots. And it was very challenging on who do I take with my family, uh, who gets excluded, and who gets which seats. Uh, fortunately, my, uh, my wife's sister and, and brother-in-law were in town uh, from Texas mm-hmm. for my daughter's first birthday. So they were an easy choice. It's the only game they get to go to. So they went, and then, uh, and then I went with immediate family. My mom and dad and my two brothers got the other seats. Nice. Now my older brother ended up out of town, so I was going to bring his wife. Then she got COVID, so then my, one of my nieces got to come, Mackenzie. So, so more, more importantly, who paid for all the beers? Dad? Is that <laughs> uh, still dad? We, we, we were all separate. So we went down <laughs> in an Uber, and they went down and, and walked around. There so you go. We, we met up before the game, but we stayed a little bit separate, yeah. So parents, younger brother, and one of my nieces. Nice. Well, walking in, um, you, you know, we all, we all experienced uh, seeing a load of faces that we know, you know, on yeah. a lot of different levels. Um, you know, who are some of the people that you crossed paths with that was like, damn, you know, that this is how wide this community is? Uh, I mean... I don't even know if I can name them because there was hundreds. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, I saw staff, some of my staff members. I saw, uh, you know, Kalis, who was just on the podcast. So I had talked to him recently. Uh, coaches that coach for the club that I, that we, that we train. Uh, I mean, literally more than 100 people that I knew that you stop and talk to and you can't see. I saw a, a guy that I used to train when he was 15 years old and he's a, yeah. he's a doctor now and, you know, had a lot of conversations, but also, you know, I was trying to get back to my seats, you know, sure. and a few beverages as well. So, but yeah, it, it was great. It was Coke, wonderful. Right? Coca-Cola? Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> why, why is your Coke yellow, Dad? <laughs> right. It's a, right. It's a special brew. Uh-huh. Um, so let me ask you this, you know, because you, you, you walked the walk. You, you, you had a successful high school career. You parlayed it into college. You continued to go on from there. You had your experiences, uh, you know, in Indy and then with the steamers, et cetera. Um, how does it make you feel that you were 20 years late to the local MLS party, though? Oh, <laughs> you know, because right. I mean, how many people that are similar, you know, because there's there's a mushroom effect of players like yourself, you know, that, that, that we all know that we all have grown up with that we didn't have that opportunity. It, di- it just simply didn't exist. Right. I mean, there were other cities in which MLS existed, obviously, but it's different when it's in your backyard. How did how did it make you feel to know that it's here now? 
And, and you're still part of that process through the training and the new kids. You know, what's what's your emotional reaction to the reality that it's on now? The lights are on and the team's on the field. It really is. And it's it's been unbelievable until I, I, I even took a little video as I walked into the stadium because it's just it's a, it's a surreal feeling. And, you know, when we grew up, there was there was no internet. There was no games every Saturday, Premier League games on Saturday mornings. And, uh, you know, you just you didn't have that opportunity to see it on highlights all the time. Uh, what what I had or what we had, you know, was the steamers. And I watched them and right. I idolized Daryl Duran, Joe Reiniger. Um, and and that that was my goal at the time. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day is like, you know, if there was an MLS team, you know, would that have been the goal? And could I could I have made it? Because you just you put something in your head that you have to get there, and you do whatever it takes to do that. And, right. Uh, you know, unfortunately, that my only goal was the steamers and not like a, a national team or do, know, do, do, over there. But. Do you think that was purely a byproduct of just the landscape here? You know, was it? You know, because obviously, uh, national teams still exist. Uh, MLS existed. Uh, Europe, obviously, you know, is real. Um, was it for you, were you more motivated or driven to the kind of the backyard professional, you know, basically what I'm asking, are you a homeboy (laughs) (laughs) and, and did you not want to, or did you not think about really pushing the envelope? Because we've talked to a few people that were like really road dogs, Mm -hmm. uh, Timmy Velton over at Webster high, right? Yep. You know, he was, yeah, he was, he was, he was in the van and he was gone trying to make it work till, you know, he he hit the end of the road and it is what it is. What, what was your kind of motivating factor uh, geographically in your path? You know, when I, when I grew up, all I ever knew is I wanted to be a professional soccer player. You know, I don't, I don't know that there was a a goal of where I wanted to go, whether it be St. Louis or overseas. I do have regrets that at, at some point I didn't just pack, get in a backpack or strap on a backpack and go overseas and try and yeah. see what happens. So I wish I, I wish I would have tried that. Uh, I do think there are, are more opportunities these days with just more teams, more leagues uh, across the country and in, 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 other, in other countries. Um, but that's, it's, this is where my path took me and I'm, I'm very happy with it. Yeah. So Mike, I, I want to get into, we're going to jump back in time a little bit because you, you know, we, we talked briefly about you know, obviously Daryl as player coach, you know, in your steamers experience, and you go back a little bit and you had uh, Hanukki and, and Kalish at SIUE. Um, but then you have your high school years, you had Coach Baker. Um, and obviously, for those of you that are listening, you know that I'm a little bit of a fan myself for <laughs> obvious reasons. Um, but I want to get your take on coaching styles, um, you know, what, what really stood out to you over, over the years and, you know, specifically high school years are so developmental, so critical, uh, from just player development and really mental, emotional development too. talk about coach Baker and his role in your soccer career, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, no, he was, He's a legend. He, he walked on water or walks on water here in, in Granite City. Uh, and what's neat about it is it wasn't even uh, when you were younger, you knew about it. When you're in grade school, when you're in middle school, we went and watched the, the guys win a championship when we were all in, in junior high. Uh, but it was he was the, just this figure that if you saw him like, hey, I saw Coach Baker today, like you you do anything. And then when, when I got to play for him, uh, it was just such an honor and we would have done anything. It didn't matter if we were 
if we walked out one day and he said, hey, guys, we're going to put some pads on and go play this football team. Okay, coach, tell us, tell us what to do. We're going to we'll run to, through anything. Yeah, yeah, you want us two-foot? Yeah. How many times? <laughs> we, Who should we two-foot? <laughs> we will two-foot him. A little <laughs> bit of a lost art, but we need to bring that back. Uh, but, yeah, he just – he instilled so much discipline in us. Um, you know, he, he taught us to, to respect our coaches, um, to, to, to be intense and, and to be intelligent. You know, he, he was very big on, on watching games and, and giving us scouting reports and, and us all, all doing our role, and we did. Yeah, you know, I've, I've had so many conversations over the years. Uh, com- well, I should say conversations that led to debates that ended up arguments <laughs> about uh, – our teams, that process. And I really kind of look at all sports through the lens of how Coach Baker, you know, taught us and led the teams. Because you'll often see at all levels, uh, professional through amateur, in any sport in which there are teams that end up winners or in the final or whatever whatever that adjective is, or whatever that wherever that place is, that technically didn't on paper deserve it right Mm -hmm. that were long shots for whatever whatever the reason is um but the common denominator in those stories is always the character it's always the 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 game plan it's always the role playing and i think back to my years and and you i'm going to assume you're going to concur i think that's what he did best you know because when you looked at our teams versus uh the SLUs, CBCs, you know, it, uh, you know the teams that Coach Mickler and, and uh, Viani, right? Yeah. On paper, we we were arguably and should be the the underdog, but he had this ability to put people in positions that they would thrive, and he had the ability to to convince kids that they were worth it. Yeah. Um, and this is a long. This is me getting weepy here, but here's here's. Here's the question. I want your take on how important is it for coaches, for trainers, for staffs to move at times beyond individual skill or player physical development and balance that understanding of roles, understanding of uh, camaraderie. You know, Do you see that enough? And if you don't, how would you advise people do that? Do that? Yeah, I think role defining is extremely important, not just in soccer, but in, in business as well. So with my uh, with my staff, we discuss our roles and define roles monthly just to make sure we're all on the same page and it, it produces the best outcome. With, with high school, uh, you know, he's only got us two months, two and a half months. So you're not going to make players a whole lot better technically, right? But you can. Uh, improve their their tactics you can define roles and then it's it's up to the players to accept those roles or not and he built such a system that everyone just bought in you yeah. know you bought into whatever he was going to say whether you believed it or not you just you you, you couldn't help it because you know the, the way he talked to you you know you got to sit there mouth closed eyes open look me in the eyes and you know and, and we all we all lo- loved it um well by the time we were there too you know the vast majority of all the state titles had already been won so like the pedigree yeah. and the expectation was there mm-hmm. you know we would go into preseason and the reality was you had one goal yeah. that was it yep. state, state there, there was no like well let's be 500 oh yeah. let's win conference yeah. yeah no 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 it was state or bust mm-hmm. um and it's funny because I, I don't know if you caught 
any of the Kalish conversation, but he he referenced, you know, one of the major differences in our youth because, you know, he's 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 in between the two of us, I believe. He was an Aquinas Mercy yep. player. Yep. I uh, I listened to the first half of that one, by the way. Yeah. So he. Do you remember? He, oh yeah. <laughs> he uh, do he um he talked about uh, trophies, you know the in today's environment, so many players right. don't play for trophies. Mm-hmm. What you know? What's your take on that? You know, do you, good, bad, and different? Uh, does it have a place? Yeah. You know, where where are you on the competitive side of youth soccer right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm I mean I'm old school, right? I mean, I, I grew up going to Wilson Park, playing with my brothers, with you know Justin Brene, Jared and Mick in our backyard, and you know if we're playing a one-on-one match, just we're the only ones there. We're we're playing until you know one of us can't play anymore. Right. Like it was life or death. Uh, so I'm, I'm old school. The kids need to be battling. They need to learn how to win through hard work, but also through, through using your brain and figuring out ways to, to beat them tactically. Well, so let me ask your opinion on the academy front, mm-hmm. because for the most part, I'm in agreement with you. How, where are you on kind of the one percenters? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's all changed now that City's here. So... Three years ago, we had this conversation. I was I was very big on the, uh, you know, you need you need to do the high school thing. It, you're going to remember them. I remember almost all of my high school games. Right, you get in the newspaper, your friends, you're high fiving in the hallways before the games. Uh, and club, I remember playing club and an occasional game or, you know, a tournament like Rockford where you got free watermelon. But you you know you don't remember those games, and that's that's right. important in your in your career, uh, you know. But now city it's it's different if you can go play in that environment be around pros get a chance to to see them meet them and just be exposed to it uh i mean you have to take that opportunity um but yeah that's how i how i feel well do you think the so all all clubs are going through this right now at at all levels in which uh there is a balance uh or 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 a uh a perceived process in which clubs are required to balance player development versus team success you know and and i think you know where i'm going with this because there is a certain amount of uh you know uh soccer you know i'll say it soccer dads the the best and worst thing about soccer for youth programs are soccer dads Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and their and their willingness to be honest with who should go up who should go down and is it about our my team? My, I want my team to win. You know, do you see that often in your world still? And you know, is do you think it's getting better? Is it getting worse? Is it the same? Where where yeah. where is it on that front? It's 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 terrible. Uh, I I <laughs> is that your professional I opinion think, that I, it's terrible? Yeah, well, and I, and I think <laughs> I'm going to be the only one that doesn't act like that when my children get older. Oh yeah, we, uh, all, we all say that. I'm sure it's not the case, uh, but. You know, the, the kids, the parents are paying money, and when a parent goes to their club game, they have these blinders on and they see only their child. And some of them are using a stopwatch on how much time they, they, uh, their child gets to play. And oh, my God, yeah. And it's, it's not good, um, but I don't know that they can help it, right? When I go and watch, you know, my nephews and nieces games over the years, I, I, try, not, I try to sit by my parents or my, my siblings, and I just I can't. I have to get up and walk away because the – things they yell, whether it be at, at, at referees or the other team or maybe even a yeah. player on their team. And I, 
I, I can't I can't handle it. Um, but I do empathize a little bit because they, they can't help it, right? And, and some are better than others. Uh, so but. so let me let me ask this. Speaking to the uh, soccer moms and dads that are listening to this, if you were to give them one piece of advice as it pertains to sideline etiquette, what would it be? Let your child enjoy the game. Don't tell them what to do. They have enough pressure on them by going out there, trying to perform well for their teammates, perform well for their coaches, and perform well for you. So if you're yelling at them, do you think that's making them play better or making them a little bit nervous when they're already nervous on what they're doing? And even more importantly, when they make a mistake, do not tell, say something like, what are you doing? Why did you not pass it there? They know. They know before you know. They don't need to be, be told. Uh, and their coach will handle it. Let, let the coach do it. But ultimately, let your children have fun. Just tell them good game. Hey, nice pass. Uh, but don't try to coach them. Let the coach, let the coach do the job. So are you implying that kick it is not the appropriate? Um... No, it should be kick it really hard. <laughs> kick, hard. Kick it hard. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay, yeah. yeah. Kick it. Oh, no, no, that, that's too soft. Kick right. it hard. Right. You know, right. keep that going. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that, I, you know, after all of these years, because I remember as a kid, my dad would never yell. My dad, my dad was super, super quiet. You know, him, him and your dad, they, they were very, very similar. They yeah. were, because they were not soccer guys. Right. Right. They were in it because of us. They would do anything for us. They were in it because their wives said, get these goddamn kids out of my house, <laughs> you know, so I can have a little quiet time before, you know, the day starts. Right, right, right. Um, but when my mom would show up, I could hear that. Yeah. All, be, be, no, be. <laughs> like, oh, my God, please go away. You right. were worse right. than right, right. Keith, because Keith Galing was my coach. Oh, Keith, okay. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I saw Keith at the game the other day. Oh, he was, was, was he there? Him. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, he's he's one. I got to get. I gotta talk to him because he's got great stories, too. He's great. He's on my uh, Elite FT advisory board and, and provides a lot of, lot of wisdom for me. You, well, know, you know, one thing that just came back real quick is uh, yeah. about parents uh, coaching their game. A uh, piece of advice is don't, don't coach them as it's happening. Right. So like when they have the ball and you're yelling, shoot it, that they probably aren't can't hear you, but they're not going to. That, that's not necessary. Let let the play unfold. And then if you have to say something, if it's besides just good job or great pass or nice try, if you have to coach them, but don't do it like as it's happening. Yeah. Let them let them have their moment. And, and then it means a little bit more. And then is that's there for coaches as well? Yeah. 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 Coach. Let them play. Let them figure it out. Is there a, uh, a minimum time required in which once the kid gets in the car after the game that you should not say anything to you the child? Just tell them how great they played. <laughs> Feel free to let, ask them questions. How do you think you did? Tell me about this. Tell me yeah. about this. Don't provide any advice. Then take them to ice cream. And then wait a little while. And if you want to discuss something later after the moment, but especially, uh, and, and more advice for, for parents and for coaches, is, is when you lose a game... It's not a time to sit and talk to them for 30 minutes about how terrible they are, right? Why you lost the game. You know yeah. why you lost this game? They, they know. They're already upset. They're tuning you out. Yeah, they're pretty cognizant of the fact that they scored less goals mm -hmm. than the other team. Yep, yep. And you'll get, you'll get more out of them if you're a little hard on them when they win. Hey, you did a great job, but we got to do these, these yeah. two things better. And, that, and that'll, that'll go better with them. But don't, don't, don't bury them while they're down. They don't need that. Spe speaking of winning and losing, because in my in – my, brain of memories of games there were a lot of wins but i remember probably three losses more than any of those it's terrible isn't it yeah 
Are you the same? Oh, to, yeah. You know, it's like absolutely the 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 you know the 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 shoebox of metals and all that other stuff. Like yeah. that, that's cute. I like it, it is yeah. what it is. But what's the game for you? What's the one you get to pick one? Like if you you know, Can I have two because they're they're both relevant to this. You, you go one A one B. One A one B. So first one junior year state championship game. Heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> up 1-0 they score i think with 19 seconds left who who, so, who are you playing in the final uh, there? palatine yeah uh, it was a torrential downpour and you know our fans are singing na 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 and uh you know and then we uh we weren't able to get the ball out ball was clear got stuck in the water and they went and scored uh so and then they went on and scored and beat us in the final 2-1 uh, and then sadly a similar story that still hurts uh, but my senior year at SIUE, we went to the Final Four. Uh, I just beat the number one seed. Now we're playing Tampa, who's undefeated. And they got to host the Final Four, which I don't think was fair, but, you know, whatever. And we're up 1-0, same thing in the first half. Second half, with a little over two minutes left, they scored a goal, tied at 1-1, and went on and scored pretty quick in overtime. So, Would you say that those two losses uh, at this point in your career – uh, as it pertains to game participation, have influenced your career more than the wins? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think about those all the time. We just we were passing around the state championship game on YouTube not too not too long ago. And Why would you do that? Like, you, you, like self mutilation or something? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but it's, it's it's tough. And and same thing with the SAUE. Like, you know, we have a little group chat, and somebody will just in there f Tampa. You know, because that was our thing. Yeah. Like, you know, they we were there. They beat us, and you know, they sting. They hurt, and you know, not that it would have changed anything in, in my future. But being a state champion would have been great. Being a national champion for a college would be, you know, be a, a great feeling inside, and possibly open more doors. I don't know, but uh, yeah, they they sting. Well, I'm with you. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. So we're going to get a little refill and make fun of Nick a little bit and his Manchester United garb <laughs> trash here. Which, by the way, who's your EPL team? Uh, I didn't want you to ask me. It's the same as Nick's. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see you next time on Soccer Dad Pod. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a quick refill. Uh, Fridays, KC Fridays, remember? A little, uh, a little more Van Halen here. There it is. All right. We're on our way out. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, JB here with the Soccer Dad Pod. This break is intended to be both informative and an opportunity. Little did you know that we are accepting sponsors. Really. And as a sponsor of the show, you would get to talk to a demographic primarily consisting of parents, some soccer fans, and most definitely drinkers. Consider this an opportunity to let our listeners and social media followers know what it is you do and why you deserve some of their money. If interested in this incredible opportunity, just email us at soccerdadpod at gaslightstl.com. Now, back to the mindless banter. Hello, people. Casey Friday. Billy Squire. Right? It just feels good to hear rock and roll like this, right? It does. Right? Does this remind you of Wilson Park? Like your brother's driving you there as a kid? Driving in a convertible. 
Yep. Nobody's wearing shirts in the car. Yeah. Uh, I forgot that. You guys did have a convertible. Yeah. We were like yeah. wanting to throw D batteries your way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're back. Um, here we are down in Granite City. The Granite City. Uh, Pavia's place. Uh, Nick was kind enough to bring us some cold beers. Um, had a little break. Waiting for a pizza. Um, and actually, he's on his way over here. Uh, hold on one second. Mr. Pavia, I got to give you a pair of these things. So, next time you cross the river, you got to make your way over to Nick's joint. I'm giving him headphones right now. We weren't prepared uh, because he's got pizza. And we're going to talk about pizza here for a second. There you go. Step up to the mic there, Nick. Perfect. Perfect. All right. What we were just talking about, still talking about, is pizza. Uh, you have a kitchen here. And you were kind enough to uh, bring us some cold beers. And then you're like, hey, you guys hungry, right? And we said, yep, pizza's fine, meat. And you said thick or thin. And we said, whatever, your choice. And you made the cardinal sin of offering us what? Cauliflower crust. <laughs> Cauliflower crust. The, Granite City is not the same. I'll tell you that right now. For all of you people that are like, you're a nerd. You're always talking about Granite I'm like, now you're justified in making fun of me. We so went soft. We, <laughs> we went cauliflower. <laughs> Bro, you gluten-free people. That's right. <laughs> hey, Nick, uh, you're, you're joined over here. Um, you are uh, clearly you're a soccer fan. Um, are you showing the games? Like for anybody uh, over on the east side? Yeah, so the, the games... Stay up on the mic there. The games have been big for us. Um, <clears throat> a meeting spot for people to come and pregame, meet their friends, drive over together, and then meet after the game. So it's, it's been huge for us. I mean, I've seen people I haven't seen in years just because of St. Louis City coming alive, bringing everything back to life. Yeah, I saw all your, uh, your posts, your pictures, you, Mitch, everybody... Um, you know, you've been around the game your whole life growing up here and uh, uh, playing yourself, all your peers at different levels, etc. You know, what was it like for you? Just, you know, and I'm asking everybody really the same question. When you walked in that stadium and the seats are filled and the team's warming up and here comes, you know, the opening whistle and the Luligans on the end are doing their thing. You know, was, was there an aha moment for you or was it just you took it all in? Oh, absolutely. I can't tell you how long I've waited for this day. I mean, the atmosphere was unbelievable. That stadium was just rocking. The fans were into it. I think for the first 15 minutes, everybody was on their feet. They didn't sit down. Yeah. I mean, maybe even longer. Some sections I heard they didn't sit down the whole game. We, we did. We stood the whole game. Yeah, I can tell you 110, row 19, seats, blah, 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 through blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we're not allowed to sit down. And I'm lame. Like, if I'm in my seats, I want to sit. Absolutely. Right, but I don't like sitting at all, so I wanted to stand up on the rails on top. Yeah. Well, that was a lost cause because the, the dudes in the top—they're all like six three. Yeah. So I was I was down in the crew. It was such an incredible environment. Um, you, you know, talk, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit because you know now with your with your pub down here and all your friends and family and everybody that you've grown up with around the game. Talk a little bit about community and the role community plays specifically here for you with the game. You know, when you look at uh, the ex-players, your, your, your patrons, you know. and The U.S. Uh, Holland game. I oh, the atmosphere for, for the World Cup was crazy. I, I can't tell you um, the excitement. 
of of our team and the fans. I mean, this getting this again. It goes back to seeing friends that you haven't got to see in a while. Right. And as we get older, everybody life gets it. You know, life goes on. You know, everybody you mean has family gets in the way. Gets in the way <laughs> <laughs> of the good times. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable the memories that you share with these people on and off the field. It, it, it's basically like family, and you don't get to see them that often. And the game brought us together. Yeah, the World Cup brought us together. In St. Louis City is going to bring us back together again. It's full circle, you know. Mm-hmm. You look back and you take you take life for granted and all the friendships that you've made, people that you played against and kicked, yeah. and then you meet at, a, you know, and have a beer. I mean, it's just okay, amazing. So, <clears throat> let me ask you guys this. And this is specific to the East Side. So for those of you listening, this is really a rivalry question, and you can apply it to whatever two teams, two communities that are a rival and debate the issue yourselves. But here's my question to you guys, because there are a number of Granite City graduates that played the game, that loved the game, that, can, that went on to coach the game for a rival, specifically Collinsville Cahawks. What are your, what's your take? It, it, should it be legal? Should, it, should they be condemned to banishment? What do you do with people that come from your hometown and go to work for, play for, coach for a rival? Well, you know, back in our day, it's completely unacceptable. But, but times are different now, you know, with, with, with clubs, right? <laughs> teams are all, See, teams this are is, all playing together. Uh, but I have a feeling you're answering this in a PC way because I believe you're still friends with some of those red coats, <laughs> now purple coats or whatever you want to call them, right? Uh, right, right, right. You know, but at Collinsville, they have, uh, you know, they have a Granite City grad, the head coach, Rob Lugies from O'Fallon, uh, another one, Josh Boyd's from Edwardsville. So, you know, the ultimate answer is if you're Collinsville, you do what you do, got to do to win. Oh, I see what you're doing uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. That was a backdoor, you guys can't do it on your own kind of thing, right? <laughs> no, they've had a, they've had a long line of, of great coaches from Collinsville, <laughs> and, uh, but their most recent uh, hirings is all outside of the area. I guarantee in real time, whenever people listen to this, my text messages will be blowing up. So, um, one thing which kind of brings me to something I wanted to talk about, you know, and get your take on this, Nick, um, too, uh, with city SC, you know, uh, let, let me back up. I'll, I'll frame it. We just, we rivalries in the St. Louis area made St. Louis soccer, right? Be it slew versus Desmet or, Granite Collinsville or, you know, Norco versus Bush or whatever it is, right? Rivalries made us. And now we have a team. And everybody's wanting to make fun of the little kid, the new kid on the block, you know, even though we're undefeated at this point. Um, who's our rival? And why, why will it be Kansas City and we really don't care because they're not relevant? Mm. <laughs> Good question. What a, our rival is is number nine from Charlotte. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> he made the game fun. He was the other the other day. Handful. The other day on Twitter, I believe, uh, Sporting KC put out the post, and it was um, they were touting their new, you know, hey, soccer capital of America. We have a new train, you know, and then everybody's like jumping on. Well, you have a train because your stadium is not even in the city, <laughs> and then it kept on going. And I believe you were chiming in. With that, that was you, right? No, uh, 
So another person called J-Mac uh-huh. from St. Louis was completely dismantling these Kansas City fans oh, and wow. their argument as to why they're more important to soccer than St. Louis. Oh, really? I'll yeah, send that wasn't it me. Yeah. yeah, I'm curious. I'll send it to you. Hey, imposter. Yeah, go, go, go on, go on Soccer Dad Pod on Twitter, and if you you go through our recent tweets replies, and there was quite a few of them because yeah. we jousted for a while. Uh, Kansas City, you know, in your travels, right? Uh-huh. Where where does Kansas City lie now that we have our team? Do you, where do you think that rivalry is going to fall? Do you think it's a rivalry? I mean, it's got to be just based on on location. Uh, I don't know who else it would be. Chicago. Chicago. Eastern Division, though. I, I get it. I think they missed, they missed the mark there. Yeah, well, I think yeah. everybody, Big time rivalry. everybody's going to be after us if we keep winning. Yeah. Yeah, I think – well, I think the other thing is, too, like it, it, it's kind of an American trait at this point. Everybody wants to hate on the good story. Yeah. So, and right now in MLS, is there a better story than us out of the gate? We have a good story. I don't know how long these good times are going to last, but right now they're they're good times. Well, we need it with the Blues. I mean, we, we need something positive. <laughs> well, it's so funny. You know, I was thinking about the Blues the other day because you know here here in town, we are so uh, just generationally spoiled with sport um, that typically you know when our pro teams they win. Or at a minimum, they are competitive, uh, you know, and the Blues finally breaking the Stanley Cup drought a couple of years ago, and now here we are dismantling a team for a rebuild. And talk about timing, though. I mean, they couldn't have been luckier that City rolled out at this point to kind of deflect from what's going on on the ice. Yeah, it's brutal. Are you, like, are you, you tossed in the towel for the year? I have. Oh, a big blues fan. I'm a big blues fan, and it's just it's painful to watch right now. Last night I said I wasn't going to turn on the game, but I lied. <laughs> I, I still watch. I still support them, um, but it's it's difficult. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. <laughs> they're not competitive. I mean, what do you think it's going to take for, or do you think there's going to be a point with City SC? Um, do 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 you fear kind of a uh, an extreme pullback if you know two and zero goes to two and two, which goes to two and four, or you know, kind of paint a picture of best case scenario, worst case scenario. You know, where where are we at on the fan base if the team kind of stagnates? I tell you, everything about the team's been near perfect. You know, from the stadium to you know the marketing, the professional experience. You know what? The pricing inside the stadium's not perfect. I'll give that one. But, uh, <laughs> $18 for a pulled pork sandwich? <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll have, I mean, especially with the way we started, but even without, the first year is going to be great. The second year, I think the momentum will continue. If we happen to tank this year and next year, I think maybe years three or four it could be a little tough. But, you know, I, I don't know. I think the soccer community is so excited and, and so proud. Uh, everyone had on St. Louis City merchandise. Like at first I was like, ah, should I buy a shirt? Should I not? And next thing you know, I bought a pullover and a scarf and a hat and <laughs> you too, Nick. And you go down there and everybody's got them on. And it's like, oh, we man. came together. Like it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. You know, we've all been around the game a long, long time and around these teams. And I, I was lucky enough to live in Chicago at the time whenever MLS started. And we were season ticket holders early and, you know, kind of experienced that onrush of the league and, and specifically the merch. Here's where I'm going with this. I don't care what the sport is. Like, I've never seen kind of a rush to purchase 
from a old community than what this mm-hmm. team was able to knock out. Yeah, I mean they're they're selling sweatpants with just a logo for 140 bucks. <laughs> right, right, and we're that, paying for it. I and we're paying for it. Yeah. I mean, you go anywhere, you go, you go eat somewhere, you go grocery shopping. I mean, you see those shirts, and, and I used to anytime I'd see one, I'd make a point be like, hey, I'd like your shirt, and now it's. You see them everywhere. It's just it's 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 like the Cardinals or something. It's it's there. I have a few friends that are not even soccer fans, and they're season ticket holders, and they want to be a part of it. They want to be a part of it. And after the game, they came back to the bar, and <clears throat> they admitted what an atmosphere, what a time they had, and they're looking forward to going back to the next game. I mean, that speak volume. I mean, not, you know, it, for for people that don't follow the game. Games yeah. are boring to them. They don't understand. Yeah. Um, it's so funny, you know, that, that, that whole, like, uh, it's a boring sport. Oh, it's a 0-0 tie or whatever. You know, and I, I've, I've spent so many years at Amsterdam with those guys, um, you know, of course, in a professional capacity, not in purely recreational <laughs> one. But, uh, you know, yeah, watching. You've never been there? Never, never. Oh, my I'm God. I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, yeah. I was like, what the? <laughs> but. Watching the transformation of non-soccer people who just want to be part of something fun that happen to kind of engage in the soccer process, either live or, you know, in Amsterdam at 9 a.m. when you've got United, Liverpool, and Liverpool puts up seven or whatever it was. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. There it is. You know, I was waiting for it. You know, and you watch the transformation of people that start to understand what it what what the game really is about it's not about the x's and o's and that's really kind of my the thing that i'm most excited about moving forward with that stadium in particular how many people are going to go in there you know uh friends offering them a ticket or the the office is hey they won the weekly sales prize so they get to go Mm -hmm. how many fans do you think that place will convert like on a daily basis like i said i already know a handful that they've converted that would never go watch a game if they were even offered a ticket. Is there is there another sport like can you can you guys think of like a parallel of another sport that has that kind of uh, uh, conversion rate other than curling in the Winter Olympics? <laughs> <laughs> you know, l- lacrosse is a trendy game right now. Rugby, those are you know a minor sport that's that's gaining traction. Uh, those would be the ones I'd think that are that are most similar. That if you watch a game, you understand it a little bit better. I mean, for me, I think it's hockey. If somebody's never been to a game and they went to a live game and they got to see, they get to see up front how fast and physical the game is. Yeah, they're hooked and fights and like, fights. Everybody yeah. just backs up and you don't even get thrown out of the game. <laughs> just, okay, go sit there five minutes, no penalty, and uh, come back on. Hockey is one of those sports that, when, you know, if, if, if you're purely a TV watcher and not a fan or a neutral, you are converted when you go to a game. Absolutely. It's the sound of the blades on the ice for me. Like, it's just, you know, kind of that eerie silence whenever the game is really in flow and you hear that happening. It, it, and that's kind of like soccer has that too, just in a different way. You know, whenever there's kind of flow of play, you know, in the 23rd minute or whatever it is, and all you hear are the luligans and the drum corps, and you just hear that that roar, kind of that thump. It does that, too. It lulls you into the game, and you start to figure it out. Yeah. Well, on TV, it looks looks slow. It looks easy. But when you get a little bit more eye level, you know, and you see people running hard and and sweating and fouls, it's, it's different when you're in person. Yeah. Well, let's let's shift it up a little bit because I want to get into Elite FT 
your location, uh, you know, real quickly, give people a 101 on what it is the day job is other than hanging out with us losers, drinking beer and eating cauliflower crusted <laughs> pizza. <laughs> what, what, what do you, how, how have you transitioned into this next phase of your career, man? Okay. How are you helping the young players? Sure. So I started Elite FT in 2002. Uh, we did primarily just camps and private training, team training. And then in 2009, uh, the indoor facility, the game transitioned, uh, you know, it, it went bankrupt, got sold at a, at a live auction. Um, and the two owners, Matt Shrimp, Ryan Hatfield, they hired me to be the general manager. Uh, so I was managing that, uh, the indoor facility, as well as running Elite FT at the same time. Uh, both were, were growing at a rapid rate, both were feeding off of each other. And in 2018, uh, decided to get married, you know, proposed to Angela, my wife, and it was just gonna be too much between Elite FT, the sports academy, a wife, kids, so started having those conversations with the owners and, you know, I didn't really want to part ways from the sports academy and unfortunately they didn't want me to either. So I was able to buy in and become part owner of the, the indoor facility, the sports academy. So currently I'm part owner there. And then I, I, my main job is, or my only job is Elite FT. Uh, where we run camps starting at age two, we have two and three year olds out there with parents, little mommy and me class. Uh, is we, that where you teach them to yell, kick it hard? <laughs> kick it hard, kick it hard, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, with the, at the younger ages, uh, uh, there's a guy I said on a, a call with Terry Mickler, who was on here recently sure. for with Tom Beyer, and, uh, and the timing was great because it talks about two-year-olds, three-year-olds, and, and the first thing we do is exactly that, and I was guilty of it as my daughter's there, hey, I'm gonna, here's the ball, kick it, kick it, and, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> and he's, all he talks about is introduce them at an at a age of two and three of don't kick it, like, can you just step on it? Can you just move it over a little bit versus trying to kick it and, and, yeah. and bred that in their brain? So uh, something we've been doing with our two- and three-year-olds, and it's been successful for kids. Keep the ball. Keep Not it. with your hand. Yeah, right. with your yeah, yeah, the hand's a whole other thing. <laughs> Um, but we, we offer year-round soccer classes, uh, primarily in Glen Carbon at the Sports Academy, but also in, in the O'Fallon and, and Belleville area. Uh, we train uh, a local club here, the Alliance. They have 60-plus teams, and we train uh, every one of them once a week for eight weeks in the fall and eight weeks in the spring. Um, and then we, we, we're in about 20 different locations in the summertime for summer camps. We offer a lot of private training. We're, we're coming out with this brand new uh, uh, program, this mentor program uh, that, that involves uh, being a mentor to the, the younger athletes, doing game evaluations, um, videoing games and analyzing them, having conversations with parents. And part of it is is teaching the parents how to how to act on the sideline as well. So I'm actually glad that you, <laughs> you, you talked about that. Do you, do you charge them extra? For, look, <laughs> well, I'm a, going to take your money so that you're not an asshole. <laughs> there's a disclaimer that says, <laughs> You know, one, you, you know, your child has to want it. Uh, two, you got to be able to afford it because it's not cheap. And, and three, you're part of the process. And if you don't, you know, we're not going to, you know, talk to you about how to act. We're going to tell you how to act. And if you can't handle that, then please just don't sign up and waste your time or money. Um, so that's a, that's a new program we're coming out with here, here shortly. So, I mean, it's one thing to say that, but like, how do, how, what is your process? Like you and your staff, how do you guys actually engage what, what, break it down for me. What does parent training look like, you know, short of just telling them, keep your mouth shut? Uh, so this is a new program. So this is something that we, uh, we've done in a, in a test phase for the past couple of months with a, with a few people. Uh, again, it's not for everyone because we don't want to have a confrontation. We're just going to tell you this is, 
this is what you need to do. And if you don't like, it, just don't don't sign up. So it's all in a disclaimer. Um, but uh, it'll just be be real conversations. And, and at the end of the day, we're, we're always going to make decisions and do what we feel is best for, for your child. Mm-hmm. So it's not about you. So if you're getting upset, it's, oh, this is about your child. This isn't about you. So, uh, you know, I can update you on it as, as we get more into it. Oh, I definitely want to know. Um, but that's why I appreciate it. I actually want to put a hidden camera out there. <laughs> I want to record those as like case studies for our show. Like, don't be that guy. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because it's coming. Yeah. I have a suggestion for your class yeah Dave Fernandez used to do this uh, I think when he was training teams at Belclaire mm-hmm. he would put the parents on the field and he would make them play he would yell at them scream at them and then the parents would get frazzled and then I think they realized this is what our kids are going through mm-hmm. gosh what's your what's your general liability policy look like you get a bunch of <laughs> overweight, you know, let me, let me overweight ba- moms and dads I think that's there. <laughs> I think that's great and it's a great idea but uh uh, and Dave works with Elite FT now. I'm not sure if you know that. Uh, he does a great job. But uh, the program that we're uh, rolling out, you know, we, our programs, we train thousands of kids every week. Uh, this new program isn't about, isn't about volume. It's more about the, the select few players. We're calling our, our white glove soccer service. So for, for those people who, who really have goals and dreams of going to the next level, um, the kids who really want it, and the parents who, who can afford it. Yeah, you know, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to try and transition here because I thought that it sounded as if the majority uh, or the focus was clearly young youth, uh, mm-hmm. but you just explained there is a transition, uh, <clears throat> older older child options, mm-hmm. you know, that are like pre-college college prep. Um, I want to go back to my conversation I had with Lindsay Eversmeyer, and we asked her, how do you handle parent expectations with the player and player expectation as to what level they're at, what level they think they should be at, or, you know, sh- you know, they, you know, it, it, the, the, the framing was, do you have kids that are like, I should be D1 and they feel like they're not there, you know, looking at a Juco and her, her comment, you know, and I'm paraphrasing was basically like, look, be honest with them. If they're not that good, tell them they're not that good. And this is how good they are. And this is the level they deserve to be at. So, now you kind of pick up where I'm going here. Mm-hmm. How do you, through your process for those, the, the white glove service, as you call it, uh, for that 15, 16, 17 year old players that you guys are working with, that when they come to you with an, an expectation or a stated goal of we want little Johnny or little Karen to go play college soccer, how do you manage the evaluation process, you know, and how do you communicate that? Honestly, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, uh, just to go back a little bit, uh, the majority of our business is for younger younger players. Sure. Okay. So, like I said, it starts at age two and three, four to six year olds is, is huge for us. Even six to nine, um, you know. But it's gotten to the point now that that club soccer is so competitive. Once they start getting to a certain age, they don't have that extra time to come and do additional training, whether they want to or not. They're, they're just busy. Um, so we've been losing a lot of the older ones and we want to start bringing them back. So that's how this whole idea came about. Uh, our plan for the parent is is laying it all out on the line. I have this disclaimer written up that, you know, we've only shared with uh, a couple of people privately. We're getting ready to move on to the, the next step. So just kind of internally, now the next group, you know, one of your future guests, uh, Jim Mayer, is getting ready to get a phone call. But, sure. Because um, he's in, in this industry of what we're looking at, in this market. Um, 
but it will just be realistic expectations. Uh, this is what this is what's going to happen. This is what we expect out of you. There's there's no refunds. You know, you you buy into it, and if it doesn't work out, then it's unfortunate. But you are a part of the process, and and I think parents, and I think it's an educational thing because parents need to understand how important that is. Well, let, let's get into the weeds a little bit because I'm not going to let you off the hook that easily with a super PC answer. <laughs> <laughs> Dang you, it. The yeah, take you, a drink. Hold on. Yeah, you, you <laughs> take a drink because I think that we've we've heard the a recurring uh, narrative, uh, recurring characteristics, right? That that apply to uh, guests and their players that went on to be pro, or guests that were pro, and then coaches that coached kids that became pro. It, uh, how, how do you manage? the you know because there's a couple different pillars there's the physical you know the sport physical pillar of a player you know if we consider this a tripod right mm -hmm. there's the sport physical ability then you have the emotional capacity the, uh, emotional maturity and then you have soccer iq the one thing that programs like yours are fully expected to address is the physical ability mm -hmm. drills and in touches and all of that stuff how do you to how does your organization specifically and give me examples of how you address the other two because in your own experience you know that part of your pathway it didn't occur exclusively because you had good touch and speed and all these other things on the field it was emotional and mental ability as well how do you address that and tell parents like it's not there yet right right so Fortunately, like Lindsay dealt, is dealing with with colleges, she has to answer those questions. So we don't have to answer those questions. You, Most of our kids are signing up now. Whether oh, I was going to say you do on this show. Yeah. <laughs> well, whether whether the college coaches have to be honest or not, I mean Lindsay's being honest, which I which I applaud her for. Uh, I'm not sure all the all the coaches are, um, but we don't have to when a kid signs up for camp or does sure, some sure. lessons. We're we're not dealt with those situations. So this this new mentor program that we're that we're starting, uh, as well as this academy program for players that are that are college uh, aspiring to be professionals and professionals that. We'll, we'll offer training for weekly, um, you know, we'll start answering those questions. So we'll have honest, honest uh, Q&As with them. Uh, but the parents, I just don't think they, they realize, they need to understand that they're such a huge part of the puzzle that kids will come in. You know, I, I get kids out at camp that'll make a pass and look over at their parents on the sideline to see what they're thinking. And I'll wait a little bit and I'll say, hey, why do you keep looking over there? Uh, just to see what my dad thinks. Like, it's okay. And I've walked over and said, hey, do you mind stepping outside? Just because they're not able to focus on, on what they're doing. And, <laughs> and they know, say, they're, they're, I'm paying for this. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's okay, you can stay then. Uh, but, but most of them are clueless to it, you know. And even there's, there, you know, I've, I've been to watch, uh, watch a kid play before, and I've seen the parent just pacing up and down the sideline. Kid makes a bad pass, stomps his feet. And the kids see that. And, okay. the, and, and the parents, you know, they have no idea the, the negative impact they're having on the child and, and it, it needs to be addressed. And, you know, like I said, in this in the, in the mentor program we're bringing out, it's it's a huge piece of the puzzle that, that we won't budge on because, you know, we're putting our neck out there to say, hey, this is, you know, this is something that nobody's offering. Uh, we're bringing it out. We're guaranteeing you it's going to work. Um, but that could hold it back. Yeah. And, and don't don't spend your money if you're not if you're not going to be coachable. You want your kid to be coachable. You need to be coachable as well. Well put. 
parents just need to get out of the way is, is <clears throat> in summary, I believe that's what you're saying. They yeah. need they need to pay, but they also need to they and need they need to, to get out of the way. But they also need to be educated. <laughs> it's it's not yeah. a it's not an easy thing. You're, they're they're very emotionally. I don't even think it's the money. I think is they're emotionally tied to wanting their children to be the yeah. best. Yeah. And and it's it's you know and they'll they'll blame it on anything and um, they they need to be educated that they are part of the of the puzzle and and somebody needs to be honest with them. Speaking of the best, I want to bring this up to you guys. We're going to, we're going to uh, kind of jump a fence here into a little pop world. Um, best player that you played with, high school, college, pro. Okay. Let's hear it. Um, How was that Bud Light, by the way? Was it cold? Good. It was good, yeah. Good job, need Nick. To, need to take a pause. <laughs> you need another? Uh Oh, he's empty. Yeah, sure. So, so high school, you know, my junior year, uh, like I said earlier, we went to state. Yeah. Uh, the senior class was was just amazing, uh, you know. But but Sean Petrowski was a senior that year, and he set the record for goals. And he was just a man amongst boys. Uh, huge, yeah. big shoulders, fast, score right foot left foot, scoring all the big games. I'm sure he scored. He did score the goal in the final. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he had to be went on to play in Germany. So, so he, he would be that, um, you know, going, going straight to the, to the pros with, with the steamers, uh, you know, growing up, I idolized Daryl Duran and, and Joe Reiniger. I mean, yeah. Daryl was our, was a, was a player coach, you know, again, real big guy could, you know, strong, could play one day's forward, one day's defender. He's also, you know, coaching us, setting power plays and, just could do anything, uh, and then and then Reiniger, uh, you know, who's a big still, left foot. Yeah, big left foot. I mean, he's still we work out together, still a, a friend today, and he, uh, you know, could just score. Like, yeah. Didn't no matter where the ball was, he just had a knack for, you know, putting the ball exactly where he wanted in any situation. It was pretty amazing. Uh, we had midfield Jeff Di Maria uh, played in sure. the middle for us. He was our yeah. captain. Uh, Sterling Westcott was with them. Both, both just great players. Um, but yeah, a lot of. A lot of really good players. Is it is it one of those things though for you, you know, and we touched on it earlier, and I, and I I'm just gonna keep beating this dead horse on this show because I think it's important for listeners to really understand that, in and and I'm gonna state an opinion first. Everything that we're experiencing right now, with City SC in particular, and this fervor, this love affair with the game, it was built by all of those guys all of those girls uh the Lindsays and the petrovskis and all people that are like maybe not necessarily the marquee twelman name mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. but every one of our communities has a laundry list of players that at that time were not only relevant locally they were relevant regionally they were relevant nationally does does it does it like how good does it make you feel to, to know that you're part of uh, of that history and that these names that you're mentioning, like when you walk into that stadium, all of those names are part of that process. How does that make you feel? Yeah, it's 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 very neat. I mean, just the whole St. Louis soccer community, the the Granite City, the Metro East soccer community is just such a such a tight knit group. 
and you go down to the game, and you're like, I wonder if I'm going to, I'm sure I'll see a few people I know. Oh, my God. But you just see hundreds. I mean, you can't walk down the concourse without, hey, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? I mean, we had, we, so I graduated in 93. Uh-huh. The four seats directly behind our seats, uh, one, two, two class of 93, two class of 94. <laughs> no way. Granite City, yes. That's great. I won't name names yet. I'll later on. The, yeah, like everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I just, I'm so excited for the, the this next step because I look at, you know, my kids are in the process right now. Our, my neighbors and their kids are all coming up through CYC and club and kind of being so close to this environment. It's just super exciting to think about, you know, because we always want better for our kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And here you are now in the role that you're in and you're you're, you're expanding your uh quote family circle mm-hmm. from not only your two daughters that are going to eventually play probably pickleball not soccer <laughs> right right <laughs> three-year-olds already playing <laughs> um but you know all the kids that you're training and everything else d- does it d- d- does it feel as if it's just kind of the baton is being passed yet again and yeah and they're and they're getting uh no disrespect to our to our dads because you know i think it was harder for them to coach us not having soccer experience than it is for us to coach our kids. Um, so, you know, we're th- very thankful for that. But the kids these days now have people that played soccer growing up yeah. coach, coaching them or, or having talked with them. And, and, uh, well, yeah. and, they, and they watch it seven days a week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And they play FIFA mm. and they got player cards. Yep. You know, all of that stuff. Yep. It's just different. Uh, local MLS team. I mean, it's, it, yeah. It's amazing. It's it's wonderful. Everything's everything's great. Soccer's, you know, everyone says it's the fastest growing sport in America, and it's and and in, and it is. And in St. Louis, it's going to grow even faster. Yeah. Because you know, everybody's watching it. Whether you're uh, a soccer person or not, you know about the team. You're you're paying attention, and and, and the wins help. Yeah. <laughs> Being two and zero, scoring three goals a game. Yeah. Right? No kidding. That's not. We don't have to talk about the actual goals, but hey, it's, it's hey, goals a goal. Goals is a goal, goal. Right. Goal is a goal. Doesn't matter. So real quick, tell people. Uh, if they want to learn more, where do they find, how do they contact you? Yeah, so EliteFT.com or info at EliteFT.com. Uh, you know, one thing we're pushing right now is our, our summer programs. We're in about 20 different locations. We, we partner with park and recs, uh, schools, Catholic schools, private schools, um, clubs. Uh, and we, what we do is it's our partnership program where we partner with you, we come to your facility and put on a camp. So you provide a field um, and spread the word out to your kids and then we come in and, and we do the rest. So we're, we have around 20 this summer. We're looking for more in the Metro East and in St. Louis. So I'm thinking like it just occurred to me, specifically the white glove stuff and the parent thing. I don't, Soccer Dad Pod should be a strategic partner. We're happy to help you out. Like, make sure that your parents listen so that we can be the bad guy. We have no problem being the bad guy. Uh-huh. Like, hey, parents, FYI, just don't talk, right? <laughs> yeah, it's really simple. Just be quiet. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the little penalty box at the corner of the field where yeah. you stand, you don't sit, and you don't talk, you stay there. Yeah. Be a parent. Let the coach right? be the coach. It's, I, it's, it's I, very I think simple. I think there's a burgeoning relationship there somehow. Right. Something something makes sense. There's something so, there. Something and you're like, I figured I'd get hell. it up for a sponsorship or something. No, 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 no. Yeah. Just you got to tell me how good that um, cauliflower, I've never pizza, had cauliflower pizza is. Pizza. It looks okay. All right, here it, it, it's that time. It is uh, Friday afternoon. We got to get you back. You got two little ones, and you got training tonight, don't you? I do. I do. Right on. Well, here we go. Do it here. Let me, All right. Let me kind of. He's taking a bite, people. Cauliflower crust. What we got? And Nick's coming over. 
We got face. We got big eyes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Two, Let me get two, another little bite. I mean, it's like two bites. Everybody knows the rule, right? We're going we're gonna to steal a little bit of a Portnoy thunder. All right, guys. I'm good with it. Yeah. Come to Pavia's place. Yeah. Justin, thank you, man. I really appreciate your time coming on. Great thank stories. Um, we'll definitely keep in touch because obviously your story is going to continue to evolve with the club and services and things. And we've got people that want to that need some of that stuff too. So well, thanks Nick, for having me. Yeah, Nick, thanks for hosting us. I appreciate it. Appreciate that. Uh, I would say good luck the rest of the season, but you know I don't really yeah, mean no. it. You know. United. So. <laughs> hey, give us give us a follow, Soccer Dad Pod on all the usual suspect stations. Uh, thanks to Wellspend again for all your support. You know, for those of you looking for a city option, go down there, check it out. It's on Olive uh, pre post game, great beer, tamales. Um, and thank you to Sweet Meat, KC95, for providing all of our youthful education when it comes to rock and roll, because that's how we roll out of here. We got a little Billy Squire. We'll catch you next time. 